The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and can be found on page 1619 of your Pew Bible. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. When he told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it did, he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Disasters come in, in many different forms. Some are man-made and others are, are natural. And some come as a result of negligence, and others as a result of cruelty. You know, the tornadoes, they collapse schools. And earthquakes shake, and towns and freeway overpasses collapse. And volcanoes erupt and burn and bury things. And tsunamis rearrange shorelines and dams give away and bridges collapse and buses leave the road and death tolls rise in politically unstable countries that are torn by war. And these events remind us of our mortality and they make us wonder, sometimes out loud, what 
will happen next. So how do we deal with all of this? Some people literally hide in their houses, and they never come out. And others move to areas of the world where these sorts of things are, are less likely to happen. And most of us do what we can to make things as safe as possible and to live our lives at an acceptable risk level that we can tolerate. And many times... Disasters, as I describe, can lead to denial. We may say, these things happen to other people, but never to us. And when they do, we search for reasons that these disasters can't happen to us. That somehow, we are, or we should be, excluded for some reason. And the people who came to inform Jesus about the disaster in the temple, they seemed to be thinking that way as well. There were some present, it said, at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And among other things, these people... They just wanted some word from Jesus that would, that would explain away this tragedy. And we, in our 21st century Western culture, may not entirely understand the horrible nature of this event that was described. First of all, we understand from sources that are outside the Bible, I point to Josephus, but that one thing is, is that Pilate, Pontius Pilate, he actually lived on the shores of the Mediterranean, and he only came to Jerusalem during unstable times, such as Passover and other major Jewish holidays. His home was up from Caesarea Philippi. It was on a harbor. You can look it up. It's gorgeous. It looks like Santa Barbara. Beautiful kind of a port, natural port there. So it's north and west of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is inland. You'd probably assume that Pilate didn't really like Jerusalem. We also know that all of the sacrifices for the Jews happened on the altar of the temple in Jerusalem. And Jewish men were allowed near the altar only during these very special times. And for the rest of the year, this area was restricted to just priests. Only priests could go approach the altar. And we know that it was always absolutely forbidden to be approached by Gentiles, of which Pilate and his soldiers were. 
So this means that Pilate ordered his soldiers to defile this holy space of the temple during a holy time of the year and kill some innocent pilgrims from Galilee while they were preparing their sacrifices at the altar. It didn't get a lot worse than that. It is very likely that they were preparing their lambs in order to celebrate the Passover again. It's so sinister. It's so shocking to the people of this time. And the fact is, to them, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Now, many people at the time thought this disaster was some special judgment from God against these Galileans. They rationalized that these Galileans must have committed some atrocious sin. Boy, they must have deserved that. Why else would God have judged them so? Surely God would not allow such a tragedy to befall devout pilgrims who were following God's own instructions in the Torah. There had to be a reason that God allowed Gentiles to commit such atrocious crimes in his holy house. Some call that blaming the victims. Now, we as human beings often think this way because we want some sort of assurance that these disasters can't happen to us. We want to believe that these things happen to other people because, well, because they're reckless or they're ignorant or they're responsible in some other way for their unfortunate circumstance. We want to believe that we are somehow superior to those who experience these disasters. And in this way, we deceive ourselves into thinking that this can never happen to us. Jesus wanted to comfort the people who brought this sorry news, but he had to give them a a really strong dose of reality first. Jesus responded to them. He said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And he said, no. I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Ouch. And then he said, or those 18 on whom the Tower of of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, Jesus said. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. These incidents of suffering and tragedy are not signs of God's judgment on individuals, but they are of his wrath against sinful humankind. The murdered Galileans were not morally inferior to the other Galileans. The Judeans who died from the Tower of Siloam when it fell on them in Jerusalem were no worse than any other Judeans. 
all human beings, all human beings are equally sinful before God. Now, modern headlines and bad news playing from our televisions reinforce this teaching. We hear of a church bus accident resulting in multiple fatalities. But we can be sure that that church bus, that trip, we can be sure that it started in prayer. And the tornadoes that hit Kentucky just this last December were not respecters of innocent lives. We now know that the death toll is 80 people. And among them was a young woman and her unborn child. And so it was with Hurricane Katrina. Boy, there's a blast from the past. You remember Katrina? New Orleans. There were churches there that were rightly administering the word and the sacrament. And they lost their buildings, just like the strip clubs and the other dens of iniquity in New Orleans did. Tragic accidents can strike anyone, anywhere, at any time, and none, including God's people, are exempt. And the stark reality is that all of us have an appointment with death. None of us will be late for this appointment, and none of us knows when it is. We are all on a road that sooner or later leads us to the judgment seat of God. And Jesus calls for us to prepare for this meeting in repentance. All who arrive at the judgment seat without it, without repentance, will be lost forever. There is no greater tragedy. Truly, there is none. So, in the first step of repentance, the Holy Spirit teaches us that we are by nature sinful and unclean. These words should sound familiar because you just said many of them. You said that we have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, that we deserve nothing but punishment for these sins. Punishment both here in time and forever in eternity. And repentance begins by expressing a sincere sorrow for this sin. But it is not enough. It's not enough just to be sorry. Repentance goes beyond sorrow to faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants to represent us before the throne of God. Jesus has already walked the road to death and taken the judgment of our sins on himself. He has created a road through death into eternal life with his resurrection from the dead. And he offers us the forgiveness of sins that he earned with his death on the cross. 
And he offers us the eternal life promised by his resurrection. So Jesus calls us to repent and believe in him. And he warns us, he warns us, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This teaching is so important that Jesus repeated it in the form of a parable about a fig tree. The fig tree is you. The fig tree is me. And the owner of the vineyard is God who desires to see fruit on his tree. And the fruit that he desires to see is repentance. The vine dresser is Jesus, as well as all those who proclaim his gospel. And as the owner gave the vine dresser time to work with the fig tree, so God has given his word time to work with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all those who have fruit, that is to say, those who by the power of the Holy Spirit repent and believe that the kingdom of God comes to us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will stand before God with an advocate Well, who's that? Number one answer in Sunday school, you bet, Jesus. Jesus himself will stand by those who repent and believe. And he will speak to the judge, and he will tell him that all of our fines have already been paid, and that all of our penalties have already been settled, and that all of our punishment has already been served. And just like that, the gavel falls. And the judge, the righteous judge, declares not guilty. Now those who have no fruit, that is, those who have no repentance, well, they're all alone. They are lost. The fines, the penalties, and the punishments remain for them. And the gavel falls, and the judge declares guilty as charged. And Jesus gave his call to repentance three times. He called us to repent after he spoke of the Galileans who died at the order of Pilate. He called us to repentance after he talked about the Judeans killed by the falling tower. And finally, he calls us to repentance with a parable about a fig tree. Now, repetition means that something is important. To teach something three times increases the importance Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. It is a continuous theme throughout the Bible. 
And in this world of uncertainty, in this world of disaster and death, the Holy Spirit works in us to give us salvation and peace with God. And the Holy Spirit gives us faith, and it produces a life of repentance that is a fruit of that faith. Repentance is a fruit of that faith. Repentance is a fruit of that faith. God produces a new man in us that will daily arise and live before him in righteousness and purity. And that new man will live before God forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.